0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speech Check. I am Sam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 16.
1: And today we're going to talk about Minecraft Dungeons, Avalanche Studios, and what we've learned from gaming. But before we talk about that, and before we talk about what we've been playing, I'm going to hand over to Past Me, who is going to talk about someone we're partnering with for this episode. Take it away, Past Me. For this episode, we're partnered with Kitty and Sheep Crafts. Kitty and Sheep Crafts is a Cleveland-based, environmentally friendly, recycled decor store. They produce upcycled home decorations at affordable prices. They can be found by googling "Kitty and Sheep," all one word, and links to their socials will be found in the description below. Thank you very much, past me. Now back to us in the present, Sam. What have you been playing? I've been playing
0: Bioshock One. Oh, uh, went on sale the Bioshock Collection, so one, two, and infinite, with all the DLC. So you get the Protector Trials and Minerva's Den from Bioshock 2. Minerva's Den was actually really good. Not mm. a lot of people played it, as far as I know, but it was a nice little addition to the story. A little
1: caveat. I enjoyed the uh, prote- Protector Trials as well. I thought that was a-, a fun, fun little aside. Yeah, it's it did the right. Th- I think
0: that's what Clash in the Clouds from Infinite wanted to kind of be like, but mm. it's fairly well documented how that was not fun, <laughs> highlighting the. The worst aspect, or one of the weaker aspects, should I say, of your game. Probably not a great thing to do, but Burial to see is good, and that's also with that.
1: You know, I've still not played so that.
0: I didn't play it until like a year ago, and I got well back into Infinite to do 1999 mode, uh, and I did that all, and I, I finished it. So I've like completed everything on Bioshock series, as it were, on, on the 360, and I just wanted an excuse to play it again, so I got this, because it was. It was nine quid down from, I think, like, 45. <clears throat> and, like, three quid a game plus the DLC. Like, that wouldn't get you one of the DLCs. It might get you Clash in the Clouds, but it wouldn't, like... A DLC pack, like, additional story is generally at, what, eight to ten quid? Mm-hmm. Depending on what game it's for. So, yeah, three quid a game with all the stuff. You know, my hands were tied. I couldn't really...
1: Can't say no to that, back, can all... you?
0: Exactly. So, you didn't help by Spirit Me on, but <laughs> <laughs> I would have bought it anyway. You were the enabler. Even the excuse I was looking for.
1: When it comes to Bioshock, I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah, I know it's a, it's a series that's very close to both of our hearts. We're both pretty big fans of it. Mm. We both cherish different ones, but that's a subject for another time.
1: <laughs> an argument for a different section of this. Uh...
0: Yeah, that's like a podcast in itself. Mm. But yeah, I started that up, went straight in at the deep end, put it on hard, no Vita Chambers. There's actually an additional difficulty that comes with it. Oh, yeah. I was Survivor, and hmm. I don't know if there's anything unique about it, or it's just it is harder than hard. I didn't think there's any uniqueness to it, it's not like survival mode on Fallout or anything like that. Okay, as far as I'm aware, but yeah, it's good. I've got pretty deep into it, I've probably put about 20 hours into it already, and I'm up to uh, just killed Andrew Ryan. Okay, so, so I'm in. Be... Was that Olymp- Olympus Heights, I think mm. that is? When you have the big reveal that Fontaine's not uh, Atlas isn't who he you think he is. Mm. But yeah, it's really good. I I don't feel like I'm looking at it with like my rose tinted lenses on. I've been it's a great game, I I always think it will be. The sound design on it is absolutely amazing. Like making you paranoid that even though you're like you can just use telekinesis to basically break the game, like having or hearing a splicer's voice just somewhere around, and they say, like, the random stuff. And there's, there's like, sometimes bits where they're obviously setting up, like, mini enemy set pieces
2: mm-hmm.
0: where, like, the Houdini splicers and stuff come in. It's the weird thing of, like, when you go into, like, you interrupt, like, a bunch of enemies, and they will just kind of turn and look at you. It's, like, it's got, like, an eerie vibe to it that I didn't really
1: get from any of the games. But There's a lot of unsettling yeah. moments in the first one. The first one is closer to a horror game, I feel.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it kind of lost that I think with the second one where it probably shifted towards more action. And I think the fact that Infinite was in the sky rather than under the sea, you lose that just element of claustrophobia. I agree. Yeah. So yeah, I've been playing that really good. Going in for it, I'm tr- gonna try and get all the achievements on it. It's it's like carbon copy the ones that run on 360, which are basically play the game, play the game on hard, get all the collectibles, and then there's the stuff with the either protect the sister or save the sister, something around the little sister, kind of like what Bioshot shot to that.
1: You have to either consume them all or um, let them all go. Is that the thing? You, you like yeah, free them It's always objectively or...
0: better to save them though. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get the unique gifts mm. and you get, once you've done a certain amount, you get the, the gifts have like 200 Adam and so you get the Adam back that you would have got from harvesting them. So it's kind of mm. a bit of a false, uh, falsehood that one. The main thing I did was finish Super Contra, and that is a that's a thirteen year war I've had with that game. I started (laughs) that game back in two thousand and seven, and there's an achievement to finish it in one credit. And I initially thought it was so you get if you get to the end of a stage without getting hit, you get like an additional life. So getting hit is like almost doubly as bad because you've basically lost that on two lives, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of you're in a situation where if you get hit, you lose your weapon. So there's just, you almost have to basically flawless it, otherwise you're not going to do it, because once you go down to your regular weapon, that's it. Especially in, like, level four, where the, the enemies just tank about four or five bullets. Hmm. But yeah, finish it on one credit, so you can only get hit four times, I think. And it can it can kind of snowball, where if you get hit once, you can easily get hit two or three times just from, like, enemies running on, running off screen or back on, or, you know, just, just jank that old-school games like that used to do that were trying to kill you and trying to take your money. Yeah. But yeah, conquered that. It was great.
1: Nice, that's the best, man.
0: Putting that to bed from two thousand and seven, so that felt really good. As someone who gets achievements, clearing something that's been on your backlog for that long is a very like cathartic feeling.
1: I can imagine.
0: And I also watched uh, High School Musical one too. Not out of <laughs> choice. I was made to watch them because Danielle was like, "Have you seen these?" And uh, I said, "No." And then she said, "Oh," so I had to watch them. That was, was kind of like <laughs> I was kind of like. Well, we might as well watch three now, so I've seen them all. And she was like, No, there's no point, three's not that good. So that kind of annoying me. Oh. Too far they weren't as bad as I thought they were gonna be. One was pretty terrible, but two it wasn't like I'd rather watch them than watch Twilight, put it that way.
1: Yeah. I but I would also rather watch someone like pull my fingernails out one at a time than than watch Twilight, so not not a huge, huge accolade.
0: No, it's not a title you want to hang on to. <laughs> And then I did intend to watch Predator from all the amazing content that you've been putting out. That inspired me to go watch that. Oh. But it wasn't well, it's not on Netflix anymore, at least not on UK Netflix. Oh no. But kindergarten Cop was. Oh. So watch that instead. Close enough. I just I just needed some Arnie in my life and in my face. But yeah, that's the bulk of what I've been doing, but what have you been playing that?
1: So speaking of Arnie and Predator, I I've been playing a lot more hunting grounds and, you know, trying to Narrow down some video concepts and create that sweet, sweet YouTube content, and uh, get it up on on the Vox channel for everyone to enjoy. And it's it's good. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying playing both the fire team and the predator. It's fun. It's like two games in one. You know, I've, I've covered the game twice now in the review section, so I'm not going to harp on it too much. But I am. I am still worried about the game's growth and the community. Um, I just hope. I hope that Ilphonic I mean they're releasing patches like we have patch one point zero eight and that added new stuff into the game as well as Dutch with the d l c and stuff and then they've released patch one point zero nine which was a bit of a bounce tweak and some bug fixes so they're like they're taking care of it they're cleaning up, but it just needs it just needs something else again I'm not gonna harp on it too much because I've spoken about it a lot so if you want to hear more about hunting grounds, we've had two episodes previously i think last last episode I was talking about the official release and episode eleven i did a i i covered the uh the free weekend just to jump
0: in quickly is- Do you reckon the community isn't that great because it's kind of been a bit unfairly as well? I think from some more bigger sites that it's kind of been panned a little bit as, or maybe seen as being like a bit of a just a bit of a cash grab on the name.
1: I don't know. I think I think maybe that's it, and I guess it's not as accessible as something like a Call of Duty would be. You know, it's not because it is asymmetrical. It's it's just not it's not easy to get on with and people sometimes people will jump in and play predator and they just get burned down instantly because they're not playing the predator correctly and in the same way sometimes the fire team have to rely on cooperation and then that doesn't happen so they get you know you can have matches that are like two minutes long because the predator just jumps in you kill him he sets off the nuke no one knows how to deal with the nuke so you all die and that's it that's the game so it can feel when a game goes badly it can feel really Constrained, like truncated, but when a game goes well and you have like 15 minutes of being pursued through the jungle and then you're the last team member alive and you just exfil as the, the predator's on your ass with his wrist blade, you know, that feels great and you get a real rush out of it. I said I'm not going to harp on about it and here I am. I, I, prodded on, I, <laughs>
0: I prodded you on that one so that was my fault.
1: Never prod me because I will talk. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's, I've been playing a lot more of that. And again, like you said about the content, I'm trying to produce some some interesting content to go alongside it and diversify what we're putting up here on the channel. So yeah, you can check that out and have a look. And, I think you're
0: doing a great job, by the way, but I'm biased.
1: Oh, thanks, man. It's almost like you're my best friend of over a decade or something. Well, let's not good too far. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's a joke. Right in the soul. That was a punch straight to my, straight to my soul.
0: I love uh, you. I wouldn't be holding this... Uh, microphone like a dart if I didn't love you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I picked up Maneater as well. I had a coupon for Epic Games and I was like, you know what? I can't say no. And I'm not going to say anything more about it because we're covering that in the releases, so I'll talk about that very shortly. I watched the entirety of the Titan games hosted by your friend and mine, Dwayne. If you smell what the rock is cooking, Johnson. Is cookin'? oh. uh, it's like World's Strongest Man meets Ninja Warrior. I absolutely loved it. It was so cool. Really fun series. And some absolutely tonks women. Like some of the buffest women I've ever seen doing some insane feats. And the men, you know, there are lots of very strong men, but personally I was, I was, for some reason, maybe I, that's just something about my my uh, impression of, you know, gender roles, but I was really impressed by how, how some of the women performed. And I think that the producers didn't expect some of these women to be this strong. There was this, this one woman who just pulled a 200 pound boulder with one hand that was attached to a sledgehammer. Like she just grabs this chain with one hand and walks, and this thing is just following her. Was, it was insane. Like it weighed nothing. Perfectly. Yeah. That was a great show. Definitely recommend that. I'm curious.
0: What, what do they win? What is the prize of the Titan games?
1: The final champion gets, I think it was $10,000 or $100,000, and they get the, the title of Champion Titan. Master get, of the Universe. They get to stand close enough to Wayne Johnson to smell him, so that's that's the real gift, I think. That's they the shall represent gift. Earth if we're ever invaded. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Mars they're, will send forth champion. Their champion, and then Earth will present the buffest woman you've ever seen. And... <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna pull that boulder, and they're gonna go, oh, "Christ, you are not gonna mess with that." let yeah, not even bother. <laughs> I also watched Terminator Dark Fate, which I, me- I messaged you about because uh, I'd heard a lot of a lot of shtick, a lot of stuff flying at it saying I've it do great things it's you know it's right it's never going to be t2 There's, we're not going to have another t2 it's just not going to happen there have been
0: it's, it's the standard that all terminator films are going to be judged by that's the thing
1: yeah like the series peaked early and we've had what have we had now rise of the machines salvation genesis and they've all been average at best i'd say in my opinion and this came along and it it was basically a remake of t2 in a way. Not as directly as Genesis, where it was like shot for shot trying to copy it, but it was very, very similar. Like Liquid Terminator turns into people. It has some new concepts, but it, it it's not it's not trying What's to.
0: What's f- the thing? What is it that he has in this one? Because I've seen it. It's like a smoke sort of. I don't know. sort of he has like black like tiny little balls that he uses to absorb, like
1: recreate stuff. So he he looks a bit like so he's he's got an endoskeleton like the uh T101 correct me if i'm wrong on the series there that's that's Arnie's series i believe is the T101 mm. and he then has a liquid exoskeleton a bit like the T800 and the the, okay. the exoskeleton looks like ferrofluid kind of you know that, that like um magnetic stuff yeah but he can like detach himself from his his endoskeleton so he can there can be two of him essentially and there are a couple they didn't they didn't really lean on that too heavily which i was disappointed by because it, it was the one thing that was actually different. And in fact, saying that, isn't... Oh no, um, Rise of the Machines was that she could like, she was like a technopath, right? She could like possess other machines with like nanobots and stuff. Right? That was the thing in T3?
0: Yes. I've, I've not watched that film in like over 15 years, so...
1: I remember it being a very similar concept. It was like, they were... The only thing they could think of was for the third film was what if they were like the first two films, but together? And it's a bit like that on this as well. Like, there's not, like, his arms become blades at one point, and there's a lot of that going on. He changes into someone's loved one. I think it's worth a watch. It's not as bad as everyone says. Don't believe the press. It's definitely the best Terminator since T2, but that's not really saying much.
0: I just want to say, if we move on, oh, on. your foster parents are dead. Sorry, it's my favorite <laughs> line from the film.
1: It's just, that's a weird favorite line. I've got to say it. It's just the way he
0: says, like, it's the little, it's how uh, like a simple logical trick catches him, mate. Oh, and he said that he says the dog's wrong name, didn't he? Something. He it, says how's Wolfie, and she's like, well, she's fine. And "That's when he, that's when she stabs the guy in the head
1: through the car." Oh window. yeah, yeah, and, he, and she's on the phone with like the kid's dead dad hanging off of her. Um, yeah, his and night he's farm. like, "Oh." <laughs> I'd be, I'd be pretty unhappy if someone was, someone was stabbing my milk. You know, I'm defensive around Derek. That, yeah, that's
0: why he died. He died in shock from losing milk.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, don't waste the milk. <laughs> yeah, and my last, my last thing that I've been doing is struggling to play GTA V to the point where I've now uninstalled it because it was 90 gig. I'm not having it on my hard drive anymore. I spent two hours just trying to play a game with my friend online. Two hours. Some of that was tutorials, which I can kind of excuse a little bit, but there was a lot of a lot of tutorial bump. The rest of it was random disconnects, getting kicked in and out of servers. I had one hard crash back to desktop, and I was like, you know what? Done, over. Get off my hard drive, GTA Five. I get that you're a great game, but you're not worth ninety gig of space right now. So I booted that bad boy off and have said goodbye to it.
0: It's a very specific beast. You have to like know how to navigate GTA Online. Hmm. So, I'm not surprised. I've I've been through that many a year ago, and yeah, the fact that I had to video how to actually enter online without ending up in the the endless loading sky that oh, I had to give you a tutorial on that was like oh yeah in 2020 as well when the game's been out a good seven years is pretty insane.
1: It just it felt po- I don't know, poorly optimized. I know they're doing a lot, like you have a large shared space. It's quite difficult to initialize, but. And the amount of time I spent just staring at my character stood still with, like, a blue filter over the screen. I'm like, okay, like, have I done something wrong? Or is the game doing something wrong? I don't, I don't know what to do. And then after about five minutes, it would, like, plop me into some mission. I was, uh, I, anyway, that was very frustrating. But, yeah, that's, um, that's what I've been up to.
2: Come back when you get some money, buddy.
0: So that's what we've been playing. But Matt now is going to tell us about the releases.
1: I am um, indeed. And as I hinted at previously, I picked up eater, coming at us from Tripwire Games, 22nd of May, 2020. This is an incredibly unique third-person experience. It's a bit like GTA meets Banjo-Kazooie, but you play as a shark, is how I'm going to describe that. It feels kind of like playing a collect underwater, like lots of little objectives and all that kind of stuff, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, you play a shark, and it's set... There is a story setting, I suppose you could call it. It's set in a show, like a fictional Deadliest Catch-style show called Man Eater, and you're following Scaly Pete as he hunts for a shark that killed his dad. So I'm like... A bit of a Moby Dick-esque story... He's, he's looking for this great great white shark. Or a megalodon, I think it is. I'm not that far in the in the story itself, so I think that's what's, what's coming up. But you begin the game. You get caught by Scaly Pete. He then pulls a little baby shark out of the mumma shark's belly, and then you play as a baby. So Scaly Pete has killed your mum. You're on a revenge mission. Scaly Pete, looking for the megalodon. He's on a revenge mission. And what ensues is just a, a kind of fun... I've never played a game like it. I've never played a game where you are a shark battling other marine life forms to level up. That's a huge part of the game is the RPG element. You you level up and change the mutagens in your in your shark because you you're in this kind of faux city waterscape setting that has a real issue with pollution and experimentation. So you can get all these different kinds of mutations as you level up, like electric teeth and bone-covered head pieces and extra fins for moving faster and all this kind of stuff, you could you end up looking like an absolute mutant traveling around in the bay. As I've said, you're a shark, you're underwater. Traversing the environment is fun. The battles against marine life as well, that that's pretty fun. The combat is not too deep, but it's quite satisfying. The The enemy... I've fought a lot of alligators at the moment there's tons of alligators everywhere and they tend to like they'll telegraph their attack you dodge at the right time and then they have an opening spot so it's quite a simple backwards and forwards that you get in in the combat when the hunters get involved it gets a little bit spammy because you can kind of just jump out of the water pluck off one of the hunters that will be shooting at you and then gnaw on them to death the hunters effectively act as your police to give it a GTA kind of comparison, and as you kill people, you increase your threat level, and then when your threat level gets to a certain point, hunters will come out to you. Then when you kill a certain number of hunters, you get one of the named hunters, and your job is to kill kill these named hunters until you expose Scaly Pete. And while you're doing that, you're swimming around, you're like seeing landmarks, you're mutating crazily and killing all kinds of marine life. To accompany you, there's a pretty decent soundtrack. And commentary from Chris Parnell, who you may or may not know, is Jerry from Rick and Morty, and he drops some some factoids about sharks, marine life, and the place that you, that you're at, the different water water worlds you you inhabit. Some of them are true, and some of them are just for comedic effect. But it's quite fun, and it as odd as it sounds, it never seems out of place. It never seems strange to have him kind of in, interject and just say something a little bit glib uh, every now and then. I got this for a slight discount because Epic Games are doing a, a big sale at the moment. So I thought it was worth it. I got it for like twenty one quid, and I'm I'm going to see it through to the end, just because it's a laugh. It's nice to see a game that is single player focused, a completely different concept. Like I I don't know another game like it. There's games set underwater, you know, Subnautica, that kind of stuff. But this is this game where you play a predator underwater. There's just nothing like it. It's it's a fun game, and I think it's worth picking up. And I'm glad it's not price pointed at the triple A level. It, full price is about thirty four quid, and like I said, I got mine for slightly cheaper. So I, I'd say it's worth around the mid twenties mark for me. But fun game, worth checking out. Interesting.
0: I've got a quick question for you. Go on. So, do you think this? So it strikes me just from the material I've seen about it is that it's like a goofy, a goofy fun game that from the from what you've said, has some slightly deeper and at least thought-about mechanics to it. Hmm. Do you think it could be like a trend with like this goofy, wacky animal-related humour we're seeing? That could be a thing for indie devs now that, you know, we've had that. You've got Untitled Goose Game. Do you think that's like a an avenue we're going to go down? That's like a good market to exploit?
1: I think games where you play as animals are maybe just different inherently because we've had I mean, there are so many games where you play people, and that that mm. makes a lot of sense because you know it's probably a lot easier to self-insert into a, a human body rather than you know put put yourself in the mind of a shark. So it, I can see, I can see why it's not done, and yeah, maybe maybe indie devs are going to start pushing in different directions. It doesn't necessarily have to be animal-related. It's just having something new and framing framing your game in a different way that is just for fun. And it, gladly as well, this doesn't fall into the kind of Saints Row 4 trap where the game starts with you beating Gimps to death with a, a dildo. Like it doesn't go completely... It doesn't well. hit
0: you too hard immediately.
1: It doesn't jump the shark. Pardon the Ooh. pun. Yeah, it stays in a realm that's still cohesive and doesn't go completely mental. But yeah, maybe maybe it could be. Maybe there's more... And also, what was it? Human ancient origins, where you play a family of monkeys trying to survive prehistory. You heard of that? No, but I want to hear more about it. Is it ancient, ancient humans something like that? I'll tell you what, I'll, I might cover it because it seems like a, a really interesting game, and again, an interesting setting for a game. Yeah, that was uh, that was Man Eater from Tripwire. Moving right along, got Minecraft Dungeons coming us from Mojang Studios, 26th of May, 2020. To put this in its most simplistic form, this is a simple, accessible Diablo. It's Minecraft Diablo. And if you've seen any gameplay on it, it plays exactly how it looks, which is just like that. It's light on story. You get a basic VO that gives you some direction on your gameplay. There's been a villager that has grabbed some all powerful orb after being shunned by his villager friends and he's become some evil tyrant. And you have to travel through all these dungeons to mess him up, stop him doing evil stuff. It's basic. It gives you enough focus and push to play through the dungeons. And there's nothing else really going on with the story. It's a dungeon crawler, so it's all about loot, loot drops. It has that Diablo loop, you know, I want to get this new weapon, you pick up a weapon. There's just weapons all the time. Weapons, items, and artifacts, I think they're called, uh, are dropping constantly. Towards the later levels of the game, it can get almost like two-stick shootery bullet hell kind of-esque. A bit like Binding of Isaac, when things start to pick up, screens full of enemies. And that might be a time when you would want a, a partner to come with you, because this game is co-op. Both same couch and online you can drop in with a friend and take on these minecraft dungeons the graphics are minecraft and that's kind of all I really need to say they don't they still look good you know that it's, it's well rendered and all of the environments are well put together and they fit in that minecraft setting so there's nothing out of the ordinary here everything's pretty on theme for minecraft and the same with the music as well they've tweaked up the variations but it's still very much minecrafty and again I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna. I didn't want to use the word Minecrafty too much in this description of the game, but all the enemies are Minecrafty.
0: Minecrafty, Soulsborne, Metroidvania—all your right. favorite yeah. words. Yeah, they aggressive leveling system.
1: You <laughs> generated. Um, it's never the same game. You you recognize all of the enemies from Minecraft, so they all come back, and they've also made slight variations to the enemies in certain cases to make like different. Variants and different difficulties of of enemy. So you get a bit more variety From that which is which is cool. That's good It has an interesting approach to difficulty you start off with One I think you start off with normal difficulty and then when you complete it you get hard And then there's another difficulty above hard, but then each mission itself has a difficulty slider so if you're finding things too easy, I think that would be what at least gamers like you and I slightly older gamers who are maybe I'd describe us as core but maybe not hardcore uh, core gamers yeah. would find this to be an easy Diablo experience and it definitely doesn't have it doesn't have the depth complexity maybe to, to really grab a core or hardcore Diablo fan it's going to be like a like a watered down version of that there's enough to make it engaging for someone who has played those games and if you do enjoy those sort of dungeon crawling games um, there's fun to be had here and being able to ramp up that difficulty i think is a really good option that's been added from, from Mojang Studios to allow someone who is more familiar with the format to give themselves a bit more of a challenge but they know that minecraft is a, a younger game it's for a younger just, audience
0: sorry just to jump in it's it's interesting though to i think about it that you know minecraft and diablo it's not two things you put together and it's not two like fan bases that you put together and I can't imagine that someone that would like Minecraft would want to play a game like this they're probably playing it because I would imagine they're Minecraft fans and it's just another game like that but I don't think it would be like well, I'd be interested, interested to see the conversion rate between people that played this say that are like 10 years old that are into hmm. Minecraft and they're like oh I'm going to go explore and find out what Diablo is now I don't think there'd be a lot of transition into that genre
1: no I, I hear personally. you on that it is a it's a strange step, but it does. It makes some sense because Minecraft does have, you know, you get you do get some dungeons in Minecraft. You might I, I'm not a Minecraft player, so I I think there are some dungeons in Minecraft, and there are like caves to explore and things. So it does. Yeah, like it's,
0: it's it's closer to the type of my of things you can experience in Minecraft. It's not like they've made an RTS.
1: No, yeah, it's not insanely far away from the source material. And speaking of that. You actually can't craft in this game. There's really limited environmental interaction, and you can't craft weapons or anything. That that's not something that happens in the game, which is odd. Yeah, it, it, this is this was a curious one. It, it seems fun, and I think if it was cheap enough, I'd pick it up just as like a, a curiosity piece. It doesn't look like it's something that could really hold my attention. The aesthetic isn't personally for me. I'd say. If you're into if you're into Minecraft, you'll definitely enjoy this, especially if you're a little bit older I think I think this this hits a little bit older for me it's not for the really younger demographic and if you're if you have a casual interest in games like Torchlight, Path of exile or or Diablo, I think there is some fun to be had, especially with a friend. I think that co-op element can really add something to someone who's maybe a bit, a bit more au fait with this kind of game. Yeah, I say pick it up, but only in certain circumstances. Last game for me. This is gonna this this one. I'm gonna cover really kind of briefly and just give an overview because it's an it's an odd one. So this is COVID, the outbreak from Juju B, coming out the 29th of May 2020. Much like the Plague Inc. games, it has a very similar kind of presentation to Plague Inc. It's a diff- very different game, but similar presentation. The player takes control of the World Health Organization as they have, they have to stop the spread of COVID-19. So it's set right now based on the actual virus using actual figures that are available. They've, they've based it on reality. It's a management resource game, which, you know, just like Plague Inc. And Jujubee have stated that they want this game to be educational, primarily. So the game explains a lot about the virus and it offers the player a little window into how to deal with situations like we are living through right now. They're also giving 20% of the profits towards the development of the vaccine for COVID. And it looks like a really well-thought-out strategy game. There's a lot of, you know, interconnected hogs here. I'm not going to delve too deeply into the mechanics because it is a very... Mechanically rich game, and I'd advise people to seek it out on YouTube. There's there's some first plays and playthroughs on, on there that you can really get a feel for it. The reason why I brought this up for my my indie spotlight game is because I really don't know how I feel about this. Is this the right time to be making games based on a pandemic which is still killing people?
0: If they were doing it for pure monetary gain and mm. to capitalize on an issue, like if I think it's making something not work to your benefit, right? I think that you can take advantage of the time, like say we're using the time now to do more creative stuff with with Vox hmm. because we're on the further scheme. You know, that's not. I don't feel like us. That's us taking the piss. Hmm. I don't know. I don't get the vibe that this is because I feel like if it if the aim of it is to teach people what it is, what the virus is, to understand more about it, how to stop the spread of it, if they can do that for children who might not have you know, any interest in, you know, because if it doesn't affect me, then, you know, why do I care? Hmm. And as a kid, it's kind of more socially acceptable to think that, because you don't really have any realm outside of your own well-being.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know, I think it, I haven't seen anything on it myself, but it seems like they're trying to frame it in the right thing of it. So just trying to, at the very least, make children more aware of uh, what COVID is and how deadly it can be and trying to hit that home for people then mm. i do not personally have a problem with it and they are generating donating some of the money to to the vaccine so it's not like they're i know it doesn't feel like a cash grab to me but i don't know how you feel about it
1: no it, the tone of the game is serious and it is nice to see that they're donating some of the profits towards the the development of the of a vaccine but there's something i don't know i There's something about it that I'm not... It just sits a bit sour with me, and I don't know why it's... In my head, it's almost the same conversation as are some things not okay to joke about at certain times? Like, when is the right time for video video games as a media to get involved in something like this? Yeah,
2: I...
0: I I don't... Well, like you said, they're clearly not making a joke out of it. Hmm. So it's... If it was the forgive me for blanking on name of it, but the penises rising, whatever oh, yes. the insane... Yeah. If it was like that, and it was like if you don't cure them, if you don't cure the people, then the entire population will turn into penises. It's not that insane and not trying to take the piss out of it. That would be, I think, straight up wrong. Mm. And in, in very bad taste, because obviously you're, you're referencing actual people that have died. Mm. So, and I, there are probably some people that won't like this and will say that it is doing that, and I can, I can respect that. But for yeah. me, personally, it doesn't, it doesn't rub me up that way.
1: Well, let us know below whether this uh, leaves a bad taste in your mouth and what you think, whether it's the, the right time to be releasing games based on COVID or, or not. But yeah, that's all I've got for releases. That, that's me. Thanks, man. No worries. So that's what's come out lately. But Sam, what is going on in the wider world of gaming right now? Talk to me.
0: I am so glad you asked, Max. I always said I have nothing to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start you off with my appetizers, as I mm-hmm. normally do, and then build you up to the, the peak, the apex, the zenith. I don't, don't know if that's the right word. No, the it. right way to use that one, yeah. Oh, good, thanks. The first item I have for you is that Avalanche Studios, who many people we'll probably know primarily, I imagine, from the Just Cause series, but they've also made Mad Max and Rage 2. They're opening a new studio in Liverpool, United Kingdom.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: So, as far as I know, there's not too many devs slash publishers slash slash gaming offices around the UK. So I always get pretty hyped when I hear one when they're setting up an office in our fair shores. We've uh, got there's
1: going to be, tw- yeah, it's, it's nice to have more. Yeah, I knew that. Was it Crytek
0: used to be here, but they shut down since then, and I think Rebellion are. Or- I think Rebellion are in Oxford. I think
1: we've got Rockstar in Edinburgh. Yeah, that's true. Way up north. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of indie stuff that goes on around like the Midlands. There's a few like, oh, okay. smaller cities in the, in the Midlands that have, is it Hull? I want to say Hull. It's a bit of like an uh, indie there's, dev. There's
0: some in Nottingham, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nottingham. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, we're in that kind of area. But we digress. There's going to be 20 positions on offer currently, and they're aiming to get to around 50 staff when they're all up and fully running. There's a variety of roles on there. I had a quick look, and there's vegetation and character artists. Those are two separate artists, by the way. That's not a joint venture.
1: So it's not like I, I can be the vegetation and you'll be a character artist. I can't be employed as vegetation. Uh, no, you can.
0: Yeah, Sorry, it's two separate roles. My suit wasn't making that clear enough, so you can no, make...
1: I, I was being facetious. I, I was saying I can't be employed as a vegetable. That was why it
0: was. Oh, I see. All right, I'm an <laughs> idiot. Maybe I'm <laughs> visual. Sorry, I'm a carrot. <laughs> can be a recruiter there. They're also looking for uh, a location manager, and sound graphics and animation programmers, and more. So that's just a select selection of what they've got on offer at the moment. According to their website, they can help you with moving arrangements. They give you a growth plan, and they promise an eight-hour workday, hmm. which are all good things to hear. Hmm. You know. Seems, seems like they're putting in like the extra mile to get as many people on board as they can. Uh, until all this kind of COVID craziness is over, people are working remotely. So it's not like you have to wait until whenever people are officially allowed to go back to work or people in, that, in, in the video games industry are allowed to go back to work. So you can apply right now and I'll have you working remotely until the restrictions change. At least here in the UK. I don't quite know what it's like in other places. The aim of people working there—they're going to be initially working alongside the other studios that are developing the current and future IPs that Avalanche has mm-hmm. within their creative division, uh, expansive worlds. I'm not too familiar what expansive worlds I've worked on, but you know it sounds cool that mm-hmm. you're going to—if you you know—you can literally apply now and maybe within a couple of weeks you could be work on t- developing video games. I'm gonna link the careers page for Avalanche in the description. So if you're a budding games designer, if you wanna make some carrots or some tomatoes or anything like that, uh, let us know if you're gonna if you're gonna apply and what you're gonna apply for. My next one is for a little bit of a callback to the last episode, because I mentioned GTA four. Uh there's an update in the last week or so. So GTA 4 was released, what, 2007-ish? Roughly. Wrong? Roughly, I think, So yeah. a little while ago. And GTA has radio stations and a common thing of the why Gamescape they listed. And there's a whole lot of jiggery-pokery around stuff is from music licensing. So hmm. uh, I think a couple of years ago they had to do an update which took out certain radio stations and songs to be in line with whatever copyright they'd agreed to. Because of uh, license uh, license expiry, there's an update that then restored these or you know fixed them in some way, but it had the unfortunate side effect of corrupting a lot of people's save files. Also, okay. fair play if you were still plugging away with GTA 4 in 2020.
1: <laughs> there can't be. Anything I was doing... lift, right <laughs> in that game to discover.
0: I'd be I'd be very very surprised. Like I was more trying to just get through mine, but I was obviously there for a specific reason than just to enjoy the sights and signs of Liberty City. Hmm. But yeah, on the 28th of May, there was an update to restore some old song of radio stations, and people have been getting the message that they, their game simply, quotes cannot be loaded. And they put the safe on, that's kind of all they get. Hmm. Apparently, a fix has now been rolled out, but it's just another thing that's kind of happened with GTA 4. It's, GTA 4 has kind of been like something of a blemish for Rockstar. You know, GTA 5 is constantly praised and, you know, has done critically and commercially well. Mm-hmm. It has its ugly side with GTA online as you've discovered that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But GTA 4 has kind of just been it's just like pro- been providing problems over the years like it especially with PC rocks I don't think they have don't have a great track record with their games on PC. Like Red Dead took ages to to optimize and to to fully release for PC and I don't know how smooth an experience it is now on uh on PC. But the game was removed GTA four in, in question was had to be removed from Steam because I think the Windows Live edition like messed up or got delisted. Something happened to it and it was just a bit of a fuck up. Oh man. They they then had to replace so I don't think you can officially get like GTA four on its own now. You get you can only get the complete edition, which has the two expansions with it. Okay. So yeah, it's just been a bit of a mess really. You know, Rockstar didn't normally get many things wrong, but it just seems to be another annoyance for them that they'd probably take GTA 4 down altogether if they could. Hmm. But I think you can still play online; like servers that are still up for that. So
1: really, yeah, yeah, I think so. That does surprise me.
0: So I suppose if they if they've got the space room, they've got the reason to take them down. I guess. Yeah. Wasn't it like Halo 2 didn't go down? Like original Halo 2 didn't actually go down that long ago. Uh, it was like oh. surprisingly. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, and that was just because of. The Master Chief Collection, or something to do with that. But yeah, that's, that's that one. I do have a little story, but I'm trying to be a bit more concise, and it's, it's probably only pertinent to me. So we're going to skip over that, and we go straight into the main one. The meat of it, as it were, which is very fitting that I've used a food analogy.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm liking it. I'm just reading so there's some been, of the notes now, so yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, as, as you can glean from what I've written, there has been a recent study from Nuzu, who is a games market insight company. And I've checked their website. They've got fairly in-depth studies on just all things relating to games and gamers. Hmm. And the current one has found that over 80% of gamers eat and or drink whilst playing games. And I definitely am wow. I'm, I'm within that bracket. Okay. The study covered North America, APAC, which apparently encompasses China, India, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, the Philippines, Vietnam, Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, Australia, Indonesia, and New Zealand. And then you've got Western Europe making up the third group, which is Germany, United Kingdom, France, Spain, Italy, the Netherlands, Belgium, and Sweden.
1: There's a that's comprehensive a pretty... study, yeah. That's, that's like a big sample Yeah, it's not, just,
0: it's not just like in this city, in this town. It's, you know, they've, they've got a very big like subject group to draw from. Hmm. Western Europe came out third, with apparently we do eat and or drink seventy four percent of the time, and the APAC, so Asia and Indonesia and that kind of area, was the highest with eighty four percent. Okay, and in this study, they've also found that APAC has the most diverse countries and trends. So I guess in Western Europe, you've probably got quite similar figures. And if you're looking at it from a graph point of view, there's probably quite a uh, a wave line with not too many peaks and valleys. Whereas the Asian countries, so like Thailand, could be vastly different from Australia, which could be vastly different from India.
1: Okay.
0: So apparently that has like the most diverse uh, range of sort of metrics, I guess. Hmm. India and Indonesia are the highest, apparently 94 and 93% respectively. But you're to this. play games. Okay. Yeah. They consume something. Hmm with New Zealand and Singapore being the lowest, with 63 and 64% respectively as well. The most popular group of gamers most likely to eat, whilst playing, for all the regions, is men 21 to 35. So, well done, Matt, we did it.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: I can believe that. That's and the that's most like, common type. Oh, sorry, man. That, that's like prime gaming age, right? Yeah, honestly, to that's,
1: that's a key demographic for gaming. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the most popular gaming age, but... Maybe well, maybe a little bit younger, but for core gamers, I guess. Mm. The most common type of snacks are salty snacks, so like crisps, chips, uh, and like crackers and things like that, and soft drinks. The most popular. Alright, beer is also quite popular in South Korea. I think it's the most popular country where you get about it's about ten to fifteen percent.
1: Oh, I'm partial to a gaming beer. You know, I, I can. You
0: are, yeah, I think you're more. I personally don't, but I know you're a bit more of a. You'll sit down with a. A cocktail of sorts, or a bit more of an alcoholic beverage to
1: get the game going. Yeah, if I've if I'm experiencing a game like for the first time, I won't. But if it's if I'm just messing about, I'll I'll grab a beer. Or if it's an online game as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, context, time, and place depends what you're playing. Mm.
2: Uh, The
0: study does go more in depth about certain aspects. It it kind of it's quite a comprehensive study, Mm. which I won't go. I feel like even some of the points I've covered are a little bit more wordy.
2: Hmm.
0: But if you want to check it out, I'm going to link that as well. So if you if you want to see all the crazy stuff that uh, people do in certain regions where they eat and drink whilst gaming, feel free. Go nuts. And I've got a question at the bottom to say, what are our favourite gaming snacks? I'm going to jump in immediately and cool. say that I used to... We don't do it now because we've finished it all. But I used to have... I call them zombie nights where... Me and three or four of my friends would come around. We'd all bring our Xboxes and our TVs set it up in one of our houses, play Black Ops or World War Zombies, mm-hmm. and we'd all get dominoes. And that was great. I've, I've, It's one of the highest points of my life doing that. That sounds like and fun. I would, I'd always thing. make a point. Yeah, I'd always make a point of when we were there being like, do you know what, guys? This is great. I just want to say that. <laughs>
1: Just recognise the contentment They're having a, having a good it's just, time Let's just
0: take a moment to say that we're with our friends We're eating pizza and we're playing video games Isn't this nice? See
1: as for like eating I tend not to eat when I game And if I do eat I will i don't know like I'll, I'll grab like a handful of nuts or something Or like something like that I won't, I won't be like in between rounds Like nomming on a sandwich or something You know what I mean? Like, yeah I'm
0: not, I'm not that way it's usually like a bag of crisps or a chocolate bar. It's usually quite, it's a snack. It's not, mm. uh, I'm not, sit like, I'm not there playing smash in between stocks. I'm tucking in some duckle orange.
1: Yeah. Sucking the roast dinner off my keyboard in between uh, <laughs> in between rounds. And For drinks, I mentioned beer, but also I'm, I'm a big coffee drinker. So I quite like to mm. have, I, I like a, I like a hot black coffee if I'm getting into a game. Like in the morning, waking up, hot black coffee, jump on a game. Get your mind going.
0: There's a big thing about energy drinks, and particularly Monster,
1: mm.
0: uh, in that study. Monster is so a, a, it's
1: absolutely delicious. I love a Monster.
0: <laughs> I do associate that brand more with, with gamers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, a, a friend of ours, you know who he is, but I'm not going to name names. Mm. That I know every morning we'll have a can of Monster when we start work. Oh, yeah. and that I don't know, I just can't do it. I'm not that way. I'm a, a soft drink. Can of Coke does me right. But I'm a bit of a, a connoisseur as well, so I'll get like some insane ones. Like a, in one of the shops where I work, there was like a, I think you saw it, it was like a Chubby Chups drink. Mm. And it was like pink, but like fizz, and it was like really sweet. But that's, I've, I've got a very, very bad sweet tooth, so that's my that's my thing. Yeah. Do you want to let us know what you eat or drink while you play games? Smash them in the comments, feel free.
1: Do it. We want to hear yeah. it.
0: But that's all my news. I'm news down.
1: Well, thank you very much. I am. Enlightened, as always. You are welcome.
0: So that's what's been going on in the game world. But now we're going to end with our episodic question, which
1: is, what have we learned
0: from gaming and video games in general? And Matt is going to start
1: us off. So I I think I've learned a lot in my youth from... From games. Not specifically video games, but from gaming. So I think a lot of my English and math skills were bolstered by my interest in Magic the Gathering and fighting fantasy books. Okay. Magic the Gathering has a lot of addition and subtraction and multiplication. On a fairly low level, but when you're young, constantly having to do simple math, I think is, you know, repetition practice makes perfect that's what i'm trying to say you know re- repetition of yeah. those skills is going to is going to help you with them and i think linguistically because magic has flexible rules where a card on the field can overwrite other cards depending on how they're written you start to get this kind of mindset where you're looking for almost like logical strings where you're like oh well i've played this after this part of my turn and that can't happen because this is out you start to like piece together so it kind of helps you with like logical thinking and uh comprehension linguistic comprehension you're like really reading something to understand it and it might sound silly because it's always such a small small dose of rule text on each of the cards but when you put it into the context of the game you know you have an entire rule set to understand which is your base play and then you've got all of these cards that are coming in and some, they don't all change the state of play but a lot of them do especially now a lot of them do change the state of play and just reading through a set of interactions really i th- i really think it helped with my my understanding of english and you know l- logical thinking being being critical and then there's fighting fantasy which is it was my i remember it being my like core reading experience as a child because i i really enjoyed like the 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 game aspect of it and having to roll dice which again you know ha- having a game where you roll dice and Add, subtract, even on a simplistic level, do it, do simple multiplication and division. It it can really help you flex that part of your mind and and just get a bit more comfortable with it. So that, in my early life, yeah, you know, that that was a big big part of things. And as I went into my late teens, I played a lot more Dungeons and Dragons. And this, I think D and D is a really great game for teaching younger people a lot about about the world. You know, it's it's kind of like any any sort of play where you start to learn about money management like you want to save up your gold so you can afford more expensive things down the way so you get you know deferred gratification you I've I've done this many missions so I can get this new armor or let's not attack this person now because maybe there's maybe there's more of them down the road or something you learn about risk management in a safe space you know you, there are no real world consequences to your character dying but you, you learn when something is dangerous and not dangerous and you can maybe take that understanding of danger and then apply it to the real world and this is something a, a, a bit more of a, a hot topic was dealing with prejudice as well you know the game has a lot of different aspects races in there and you can have games that confront that and speak about how different races interact with each other and there is certain races in, uh, between, you know, the like dwarves and elves, you know, they, they don't like each other. So you might get two player characters, one a dwarf, one an elf, and they work together and you end up with this interesting, if, if they're RPing, you know, they're kind of at odds because of their backgrounds, but maybe not at odds in the situation. And that make, maybe makes you question your own judgments in life. You know, you, there's a lot that you can take from a game like Dungeons and Dragons that you can apply life and you can you know I think further yourself I think is a great a great tool and communication and interpersonal skills at the end of the day you're sat around a table with six other people and everyone has to talk both in and out of character and Mm. I don't think you can ever overestimate how important it is just to be around people because we're social creatures and being around someone and having that that shared experience really builds something and on, on the video game front this is only in my my older life i'd say like late teens early 20s and forwards considering now thirty, uh, understanding ui and ux that that's come about probably more in my mid-20s but you know sometimes you can just smell when something's off you play a game and you're like this doesn't feel good and you start to notice like oh because because the menus like feel bad that, that sense of feeling you know you get like a, almost like a tangibility from a game where you're like something's not right about this I don't really like that you've
0: done it enough to know when it's good
1: and bad mm. and I think some games encourage an understanding of healthy competition but I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a rager I I do no, it comes with the territory games push me to, to push me to my limit you know I'm I've, I've punched stuff I've I've screamed I think I think one time I, I actually hurt my throat screaming after you caped me on smash brothers as mario i, I the cape as well yeah. yeah
0: there's there's a reason there are like youtube montages of the fighting game community in particular of people getting pissed off and smashing controllers and stuff like that there's a reason it exists
2: mm.
1: but yeah no that's that's kind of my nutshell i think gaming was really important for me for my maths english skills in my early life and like i said D is just a, a really great tool for learning in my opinion what about you sam hit me with yours
0: so, like yourself, it has it's come to like more in the past five to ten years. But it's taught me like how to recognise game design tropes and systems, and like visual language, and like ask myself what is the game designer or developer trying to tell me or get me to think about. It? And it's interesting when I play games with Danielle, particularly referencing Breath of the Wild, hmm. where we like go into a shrine, and she'd say, "Oh, maybe we have to use this." Or you know you'd be in a dungeon and you'd have to use this and I'd be like No, they wouldn't get you to use that because that's not how Zelda games work. They give you a tool and then you immediately use that to solve the puzzle. Mm. Like it doesn't work. They're not just gonna randomly pick, because they might do every like one out of a hundred times. But generally you get an item, that item then is the key item in the next dungeon, you know? Mm. So it's interesting to see how like my thinking has evolved, has evolved from that compared to someone who is, isn't a gamer or definitely wouldn't identify as a gamer.
1: You get a certain like vocabulary, don't you? Yeah,
0: it's like okay, they're doing this. That thing's red. So that means it probably blows up. Or you know, mm. these enemies are coming from here. Or oh, this is a spawn closet. You know, just there's things things that appear in games. You know, you know, and you can you can game it. Mm. Uh, it's taught me how to lose. I used to be a really bad loser, and every every now and then that does flare up. That doesn't help because again, we both play Smash, mm. and it it's a game that seems to encourage that in a weird way. But yeah, I used to be really bad at it, but I've gotten a lot better as I've got older. Just being like, just let it just let it wash over you. There'll always be another fight. There'll always be another game. Uh, not everybody sees it that way. I used to get a lot of shit on Gears for being defensive and people were like, just go and rush the objective. And it's like, what, me against five other the people who were looking to run at me? I don't think so.
1: God, I, that's something that plagues online shooters.
0: It's like, I like go break go the in, ring. Just go Take, in. It's like, why? If I wait 10 seconds, I'll have at least three people here with me.
1: People don't understand, like, losing a battle, winning a war, you know, there's, like, risk-reward.
0: Yeah. So it's taught me more about that. It's taught me, in part, or helped me, not necessarily from the growing up, how to, but I've got younger members of my family, mostly cousins, and playing games with them has taught me how to interact somewhat with children. No, I was some kind of ogre with them but it's it's like a medium that you're both communicating with and it's like it's more when I see so my cousins are like a few years apart in age and say that they're just been on FIFA or something hmm. and one of them will get upset because they're losing and I'll like try and help them along or just I'll just sit back and observe and just see how they're interacting with one another. And I've got a like a, a passion oddly for like psychology and kind of what makes us tick and why we do certain stuff.
2: Hmm.
0: and I think observing children in psychology because it's like there's not any if you did a psychology study or test on somebody if I did it on you you'd be aware that I was doing a psychology test on you so you might like change your answers or you'd be thinking about it whereas a child is giving you like a direct honest response hmm. so yeah that's just more interesting to me and mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned more about that with gaming as a particular like tool within that medium just don't a header right you know and some people might if we've got any returning listeners mm I do gaming journalism and have done for a while. I write for a couple of websites, and it's opened me up. I did a piece, I blog on True Achievements as well, and that's really nice as a place that can just be, I can just write exactly how I want to write, and it's not kind of judged against anything. And some people chime in with stuff, but generally you're just kind of shooting the breeze, and it's, it's a relaxed place, no one's judging. Whereas if I write for a website, then it's slightly different because you have to, you've got a brief and a workout and all that kind of. Stuff that goes along with like professional writing, Mm -hmm. and it's taught me like just having games as a subject matter, like how to frame an argument, how to like write from both sides. There was a post last week sorry, not last week, week before, and it was just really inflammatory. It almost insulted people that use the site. It was about how I can't remember if I told you actually about how like limited edition consoles, like special edition stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. You showed me this, yeah, yeah, it was like
0: a big waste of money. Mm-hmm. it seems like a really odd thing to do to for someone who wasn't well acquainted with the site to come in and immediately tell they were stupid for spending money on a hobby that everybody who uses the site is going to enjoy they might have their own views on it but it just wasn't how I would pitch an argument or an opinion piece but using gaming as a subject matter has taught me how to craft like a voice and a tone and, and made me better at what I can hopefully do more of in the future hmm. It's also taught me oddly about like my own. I say morality structure, much, which might seem a bit deep. Yeah. But any game where you can have like a moral choice of doing the good thing or the bad thing, hmm. I am always doing the good thing. I'm never the bad guy. I like, even if it's an extra ten, twenty hours to do this thing, so these people like me, I will do it. And <laughs> I think that's it. Showed me that. I don't. I don't feel like I'm like a people pleaser, but I just don't. i very much abide by the, the saying, I guess, that you is it catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Yeah. But you don't get anything bad out of being nice to somebody. You could only hopefully get, you know, you have that like I guess you want to call it like interaction mirroring. So like, if I'm nice to you, you're going to find it unless you're an absolute dick. You're going to be generally you'd probably going to be nice to me back. Hmm. And it was hard when I played. Some of the telltale games, you couldn't do that. You had to make a choice where, like, especially in The Walking Dead, where like you had to pick. You had five seconds to choose someone that lived as someone that died because you couldn't say both, and that was like a real, a real test for me. Because then, like, you'd have say somebody died, but their daughter was still with you, and she was like, "You let my dad die," and it just you, you, just constantly then have to live with the consequences of your actions, and that was actually a really tough uh, game for me to play. Hmm. So yeah, I think it's taught me about more about who I am. Which I don't struggle with or see it as a bad thing, but it, you know, the more you understand yourself, right, the more you can point out, yeah, places that you might be going wrong and like be more okay with your insecurities or your shortcomings.
1: Like held held up a a mirror to you in some sense.
0: Yeah, that's that's the book. That's that's what I've learned from gaming. I'd say, for the most part.
1: Yeah. Why don't uh? Well, you let us know in the in the comments below what you have learned. Yeah, gaming. go for it. Please and I'm going to run straight in to the question for the next episode, which is who are some of our favourite protagonists in gaming?
0: So yeah, anybody you play as in a game that could be Nathan Drake, Lara Croft, Marcus Phoenix, Kratos. Yeah, you get with me. I'm interested. I'm I'm going to have to think about that one so that's it for this episode guys thank you so much for listening as always
1: yeah thank you for choosing to spend your time here and as we always say keep your eyeballs peeled on the vox ludio youtube channel and facebook we're planning more more and more stuff for the facebook so there's, there's going to be a bit more interactivity coming there if you're interested
0: yeah we should actually have we've well we've recorded some different content Oh, separate from the podcast that you're hopefully going to enjoy it's going to be coming in the next week I say it's probably a good time scale to put on
1: it potentially yeah we'll see the next week we're in the production post-production phase let's call it
0: yeah so hopefully you'll enjoy that as, you know it was quite fun to do it's a bit shorter content it's not as a time sink as, as the podcast can be so hmm. hopefully you like know that as well but yeah if there's anything content wise that you would like to see us do feel free to get in there as well and we'll, we'll do what we can yeah. In the meantime, we'll we'll work on the series that we've uh, we've been coming up with. Goodbye. Yes.
2: Yeah.